Welcome to Ahead of the Game, a podcast brought to you by the Digital Marketing Institute, giving you insights from industry experts to supercharge your marketing skills. Today, it's the modern mindset, where we explore those soft skills that are so vital to develop in your career. And this episode is all about how to keep yourself attractive to employers through developing those crucial personal skills. I'm Will Francis, and today I'll be talking to Morgan Cummins and Paul Farah to download some of their collective wisdom on the matter. Morgan Cummins is a Director of Recruitment and Coaching at Talent Hub, where he specialises in helping people rediscover their peak performance in their career. He spent 18 years in advertising and then transferred his skills and knowledge of this industry into recruitment and career coaching, and he's now in his fifth year of doing that. Paul is the founder of Aspire, a specialist award-winning recruitment consultancy for the digital, tech, media and marketing sectors. He founded the company in London back in 1992 and now Aspire operates throughout the UK but also in Asia-Pacific and North America. And through this international expansion, Paul learned a lot about how the same industry can actually operate very differently in different cultural contexts around the world. Paul also passionately believes that whilst undervalued, quality professional recruitment can change lives and it can transform organisational performance. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Will. It's a pleasure to be here. Likewise. Yes, uh, it is a pleasure to have you on, and I really want to get like some of your <laughs> some of your finest insights because you um, have very interesting perspective on this matter, both being in uh, recruitment in in different ways. So um, let me start by uh, actually quoting some DMI research they did some in-depth research in 2019 with the economist group and they surveyed several hundred c-suite level marketers and it was obvious that soft skills uh are, and they're called soft skills but they're actually you know it underplays their importance they're clearly in demand more and more and will be throughout the 2020s what's your experience how should a job seeker refine and upskill in these areas uh, communication time management teamwork Morgan, what do you have to say about that? So for me, developing soft skills is something you have to do yourself. So you you have to become aware that it's your responsibility to develop these skills. Unfortunately, no one else is going to to do that for you. Um, Personally, about 10 years ago, when I was still working in Dubai in, in, in an adver- advertising department, going through an absolute economic boom, I didn't have to do a pitch for about four years because that's how busy we were. And as a result of that, my public speaking skills really took a dip and to the point where I had really bad nerves before I was going to go into any sort of meeting because the amount of the, the lack of practice I was getting. So for me, I'd like to start with that example. I I sought out um, the local Toastmasters club and became an active member and spent five years practicing my communication. Now, what I didn't know was Toastmasters was a fantastic leadership development skills. And I, I have no doubt today, Will, that by starting that journey over 10 years ago, led me to to doing the career pivot that I did five years ago into a career now I can truly say I I, I love. So so for me, it's collective awareness and then owning it and taking responsibility for the skills that you need to develop. 
Yeah, you really proactively took hold of that and, uh, you know, did something about it. That's great. Paul, how do you think job seekers can refine and upskill in these soft skill areas? Well, I think the, the critical issue here is to identify, you know, who, who you are anyway. So so uh, soft skills is an interesting phrase. I, I'd fub for the word competencies. Um, and and so so if, if your hard skills are, are that you've got, you know, five years in, in digital marketing using XYZ tools or software programs, that's fine. For, for me, soft skills are, 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 are competencies. And if you are currently employed, uh, then I am a great believer in asking your employer for an appraisal. Um, and uh, and the, re- the reason for that is an appraisal should, should be something that is, is, is about, it's all about you. And it's all about where you are at the moment in your organization. It it forces in many ways the employer to start thinking, well, what are we going to do with this person? So 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 where can they go? Uh, it has to be or should be evidence-based uh, and should also uh, cover areas that you need to develop. And 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 so to work with your employer and, and your hiring manager to understand areas that they feel, because they've witnessed it and evidenced it, areas you need to develop. Um, should show up areas, uh, things that you need to work on. So, so whether it's leadership or problem solving or critical thinking or team working or uh, negotiation skills or whatever they they may be, and and it's also incumbent on the therefore the employer uh, and yourself to say, well, what what training and development am I going to get for that? So, if you're currently working, there's actually something you can do straight away. To help yourself and, and know by by engaging with that and being proactive about it, you are already upskilling in areas where 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 your home managers are already identified developed. Now, obviously, if you're not working, that's more difficult uh, because you haven't got a current employer. But it didn't mean you didn't have a previous employer. So I'll go back to the previous appraisal you had and say, what was it that I had to be working on? And then you need to do a, a degree of self help. I mean, there's a ton of stuff out there on YouTube. Uh, and elsewhere that you can just go and listen to other people's experiences and what they suggest you do and all the rest of it to say, okay, uh, that's what I need to do. So if, again, if you if you aren't working at the moment, uh, then maybe say, well, how can I uh, develop that skill? Is there a charity I can go and work for and develop develop those skills? And and, and a lot of these things, when you're developing uh, soft skills or these competences, are, are things that move us out of certain comfort zones or and it's usually seen to be out of a comfort zone because we haven't done it before or or we haven't had the experience of, of doing it. So rather like, you know, I'm learning to ski, you know, if you're just taken up the top of the mountain, told to put some skis on, so off you go down the hill, you'll be outside your comfort zone, I can tell you. Uh, but if, on the other hand, uh, you'd invested in some lessons, uh, you, you would love it. You get up the top and off you go. So, so, so it's... There's certain things you can do for yourself, and even even if you have an employer and that employer is helping you develop uh, those skills, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing doing stuff for yourself. Because there's nothing an employer wants to hear more uh, than, than when you're having a regular meeting with the hiring manager. Uh, you, you, I'm looking for join that program. It's working well for me. Also, by the way, I'm doing this. And could I develop on Paul's brilliant point there? Because Go I on, think it's yeah. it's it's really important because you touched on an area that will start that that you on that journey and, and absolutely asking your current or previous employer for it. But there's another great exercise that you can do for free 
uh, and it will build on, on, on that data if you're lucky enough to, to get the appraisal. And that's quite simply, if, if you took a weekend and simply took out a blank piece of paper and did a SWOT analysis, old school SWOT analysis on yourself and put down your top 10 strengths, your top 10 weaknesses, same for, for opportunities and threats. But then the trick here is to ask a loved one and that's the tough one. Ask a loved one to do the same and that will push them outside their comfort zone too. And then hopefully in your career, there's been one person that you've worked with that you really respect, that you've looked up to. Maybe they mentored you. It doesn't have to be recent. And, and ask them to do the same. Because if you can pull together those three uh, pieces of really good data on yourself, a pattern of what your core strengths are and uh as I can attest to, when you can work, spend over 90% of your time working to your strengths, your your day job and, and your life in general is just going to improve. Um, you can then take, when you identify your, say, your top four or five strengths that, that are commonalities in those three SWOT analysis, and really build on them for your next interview. So if, back to the competency area that Paul spoke about. So if you can think that one of your key strengths is that you're a great communicator, is that you engage people, is that you make things happen and you're commercially minded, it actually leads to a breadcrumb trail of when you've really displayed those strengths in your career. And rather than giving the stock answer or the state star uh, answer to the competency question, you can then storytell with passion in your next job interview or in your next promotion what your strengths yeah. are that's a great point morgan makes uh will so so the i mean first of all you you by by doing a swot analysis and asking a loved one or a previous mentor uh on that you are displaying a, a number of competences or, or or soft skills already one of which is accepting criticism um and um and so so i, th I think that's important but also i would actually take that into an interview because self-awareness and that type of thing is is highly valued. And, and so, so showing that information, one, and, and I think just to build on it even further is to start considering those sort of different types of competences and the examples that you could share with an employer uh, that can be evidence-based. So, 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 so two things. Number one, think of the examples, whether it's around communication, self-awareness, resilience negotiation whatever time management whatever whatever it is okay and build it right okay that's a really good example uh but that's great that's 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 what you're saying and even if someone has probed and they're, they're satisfied that they trust you to do that who can they reference who can can make sure it's evidence-based so who who can you trust to have that conversation to say well speak to to one of my colleagues at the time uh jill she'll reference she's happy to take the call uh, i've already spoken to her and that is super powerful if, when you're looking for a job because you said don't take my word for it take someone else's it really is it's about you know develop developing these soft skills is obviously really important but being able to demonstrate them i think people really struggle with that being able to demonstrate soft skills at uh at interview or in a job application i mean our linkedin recommendations and things like that you know the more publicly visible things are they worthwhile as well i, I don't think ones from from colleagues are, are particularly um as, as strong not as strong as ones from clients so if you've been uh, working digital marketing working on the campaign 
uh, and and the client has said it was a delight to work with Asif. Uh, he showed great uh, analytical skills that helped us through the project. Da, 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 da. Fantastic! That's brilliant. Uh, that's that's not like a working reference. So definitely do that. In fact, I would suggest that's something you build up all the time. Uh, it loses a bit of currency if it's like a working with the client was lovely too uh, type of thing. Um, it becomes a bit of a sort of. Uh, too, but it certainly is helpful. Yeah, and yeah. I think, well, just to your point there, um, LinkedIn testimonials kind of have died a death. They were very popular when LinkedIn first burst onto the scene. Um, right. To Paul's point about references, a practice we would uh, uh, share with our with our candidates is to actually provide us with that what we call the reverse reference so in the old broken model of recruitment you do the reference right at the end and to paul's point those reference should be offered at the start Uh, and especially when we're hiring highly highly specialized or or skilled or senior roles we'll actually say to our candidates okay look i actually want to get this reference now i want to hear what they've said and the power of an informal reference that's been Someone has taken the time to write and it's very quick to realize if they're being genuine or not. And I've personally been able to share that reference during the recruitment process. And it's really added to the person's character um, dur- during that process and helping get the job. That's a fantastic point. That That's a really, really good bit of advice. Yeah, I think the strength of that type of reference is um, that it is clearly a relationship between two people built on trust that someone is willing to talk i'm a great believer in a verbal reference uh because you want to be able to probe on on the answers so that's just really good so just moving shift shifting slightly from pure soft skills or competencies into attitudes and values based hiring i just want to talk to you both about that because i know that you've both got you know lots to uh, say about that so um, we know that soft skills are important when you know set against technical skill and knowledge, but how important is work attitude, work ethic when set against those more traditional criteria for hiring? Um, Morgan, I'd love to hear from you. Attitude has really, really brilliantly shown up since the pandemic, since we've all had to work from home. Um, just think about it now when you're hiring. You know, you're hiring someone you'll never have met, uh, trust them and to work from their home uh, with all your sensitive information. Um, So that's just a game changer in terms of never met them. Of course, references are done in due diligence. But but what I have seen, which has been so beautiful, actually, is the number of people that we've helped get hired through the pandemic the number one trait for the ones that have been successful in getting the job. I started analyzing this because it really started to show up. Uh, maybe it was the, just the, the self-discovery journey I was going on, but when I could see this growth mindset attitude that was showing up. And what I mean by that is when people could take criticism, could take the feedback that I might've been giving them about how they didn't, didn't do in interviews, and then pivot on that and then bring that into the the next stage. I had one person before her first round had without asking done an audit on the business and it was so succinct, it was so amazing. Guess what? She got the job over about, you know, we talk about 300 people applying. That's why that individual got that job. But then if you flip it on the other side, 
you know, I know the famous Ray Dalio has been speaking about it for years in, in his book Principles about, you know, hiring for attitude and like skills and abilities in his book uh, are table stakes. So people going for jobs should have the skills and abilities. The differentiator, though, is the attitude. And we're we're coming into a new year, 2021. We've got a vaccine on the way. More and more people are going to have to be in tune with their attitude and be in tune with if this is a great opportunity and let people let the interviewer know like i think the big mistake we tend to make and it's fair because we we are uh, nervous in these interview situations but we we forget to to explain how grateful and how uh interesting how much we've learned how much uh, we've actually uh, got got excited by this opportunity. It's those little differences now that we're not meeting face to face can be all the difference in you standing out in an interview. So you need to be more explicit about those things because it might not come across, you know, in more subtle ways. You actually have to say, I'm really excited about this interview. This is great. I'm so glad you gave me the interview. Like, I just really want this job, you know, and I... I just want to chat to you about, you know, and just be really explicit about it. Is that what you're saying? So think of it like this, Will. We could, yesterday, I filled my client's diary up with six interviews tomorrow, back to back. I don't think that's the right approach, but he want, he's a CEO. That's what he wanted to do. So imagine you're interviewer E number five, and you're the one coming on with that level of good attitude, gr- gratitude. Of course, you've done your homework. Of course, you've got the skills and abilities. But the difference that you can display in your behaviours can and will be the difference in you progressing in that process. Because we worry about looking desperate. You know, we worry about seeming too keen or seeming like this job might be a bit above us. And that's why we're so excited, you know, and we really should be kind of playing it all cool like we normally would. But No, I, I think, well, if you, if you think of it like this in terms of balance... If you've done the work for your interview, if you've really prepared, if you've gone beyond the extra mile, the that should ooze out of you anyway. So it wouldn't be that your voice goes up when you talk about how excited you are. It should be just coming from you naturally. That because yeah. if you the start of a, a job search is uh, it starts w- weeks before that first interview, and if you've shown the right attitude the whole way through that process, you're going to be at, a, at an advantage to those that are just showing up on the day. Yeah. Paul, what do you think about values and how that much, how much that matters to employers and employees when matching on their, you know, on their date that is the interview? Well, controversially, I think it probably matters more to employees than it does to employers. Um, employers are like, like ticking boxes to, to say they, they believe in something. Uh, when, when really you, you find little evidence of it throughout the organisation. So, uh, so I think I think it matters more to employees uh, things like values. But um, I think also that is is in, if, if, again, if you're not working, you're going to be far less bothered about the values and much more bothered about getting the job. If you are working uh, and, and looking to change job, then then that's something that can be on your your list of things that's important to you. Um, uh, you know, fifty four percent of women uh, uh, will look at see if a company's got a diversity and inclusion policy before uh, they consider joining a company, and forty five percent of men. So that, that's nearly fifty fifty already, and this has only come into our sort of uh, 
uh, across our sort of emotional intelligence thinking in the last couple um, of years. But that's a trend in business anyway. I mean, that's, you know, if, if when people ask me what is the biggest trend you've seen in brand and marketing in recent years, I say purpose, purpose and values more broadly. You know, consumers are so much more aware of where they're spending money, where they're putting money. I mean, yes, it's a, it's a privileged concern, admittedly, but... It's one that is has, has grown into the mainstream and people are curious about what kind of businesses am I sponsoring with my disposable income. And so I think surely that that, that is translating into the um, recruitment market, right, where people are becoming more interested in where they're spending their time and what they're contributing to. Are they being part of the problem or part of the solution? I think it's worth people... Uh, who, who are considering moving role, just uh, having a blank sheet of paper and saying, what is it I'm, I'm looking for? Because there's, there's a whole basket of things. At any one time, one can be more important than the other or a number reached the top of, of your list of importance and actually that's now changed slightly. So it could be, you know, so, so the amount of times people say to, say to me, oh, the first thing I think about the money, it's, it's quite frankly, in my experience, it's the last thing uh, people actually uh, think about it, it, it. It's but it might be one of the first things that was on the on the list to start with. So so the job. What job am I actually? You know, what am I actually doing? Uh, is is pretty important because that's what you're going to be doing uh, every day uh, when it's light. So so what what job I'm doing? Who am I doing it for? Corporate corporation wise. Who am I doing it for? Line manager wise. So who am I reporting into? Who am I doing it with? Team team wise. Um, what's the work environment? And boy, God, that's changed now. So, so in my office, I'm, I'm working from home. Uh, what's the location? Am I expected to go to the office now, or, or can I work from home? What's my sort of commuting stuff going to be? Uh, what's the training and development going to be like? What are the career options going to be like? Uh, what's uh, what's the salary on offer uh, uh, for this role? What other benefits may go with it? I was just going to say one tip for employees when it comes to values is that that. Um, the values bear in mind we're just we're talking about just you know digital marketing communications field uh so therefore there should be an awful lot of clues for employees so, so or, or people looking for a role so it should run through the communications of a business what those values are and it should run through all the job descriptions the job ads and everything saying so so people should sit there and start circling these words that are coming up on a regular basis in all three that will help them identify that's the values they're looking for. So therefore, how can I demonstrate how can I demonstrate that in an interview? And Paul, just to build on that too, uh, if I may, uh, um, like it's a cliche, but values of, in a business are generally only as good as the behaviors of the especially the leadership team. And yeah. no better time than COVID to see how different businesses have reacted. I mean, Tesco in the UK were the first retailer to provide a, um, I think it was a 10% uplift to all their um, retail staff. Uh, to me, that's massive. And it made a massive difference where I shopped um, in, 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 in my area, which was a Tesco, because I thought, wow, they've reacted really quickly that must have been a decision by the CEO to pay extra 10%. So to me, I would be very wary saying to, to job seekers um, on the values that might be on a website, like that can, that can be a whole smoke screen. Just look at how they've actually performed. How have they, and again, there's so many platforms now to, to go and find out how they, re, how their leaders really react because for me, there's going to be one major 
alongside technology, the, the biggest competitive advantages business are going to have going into 2020 is their people. And if you can align up in terms of really good hiring, I have a number of clients that have been doing this for a number of years, and it's no surprise that the most advanced e-commerce ecosystems in, in Ireland right now, because the values they put on their job specs is exactly what they hire for. They have trained me to look for those values when I'm recruiting the, their people, and they will not hire the best people just because they're the best people. They will say no to those people because what they do is do the right level of chemistry to ensure values are aligned. So to me, it's... It, it has been bubbling for some time, but I think that the key business differentiator going into 2021 will be businesses that really uh, enable uh, their people by letting them live their values uh, in, in sync with theirs. Hello, a quick reminder from me that if you're enjoying our podcast series, why not become a member of the DMI so that you can enjoy loads more content from webinars and case studies to toolkits and more real life insights from the world of digital marketing. Head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com forward slash ahead of the game. Sign up for free. Now back to the podcast. Um, so uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about, because it's of particular interest to me, is, um, you know, when we go about embedding ourselves in a business, so we get a job and we go about, you know, becoming part of that business, is this idea of imposter syndrome. And I think that, you know, we've talked about diversity and inclusion, and I think that, Certainly anybody who's um, in any way feels like they're coming from the outside suffers from this. And we know that, you know, women suffer from it more than men uh, and uh, people who are part of any sort of kind of minority or in any way different. I mean, I suffered from it personally. I just be, you know, because I'm northern, like I'm from northern England and from a small town and I moved to London and didn't feel like I belonged in the media world. I didn't feel like I had the membership card, you know, and um and I can still remember distinctly the time when I kind of looked up from my desk and I sort of realised, do you know what? Everybody's winging it. Everybody's just appropriating language from other people. Everybody's just copying everybody else to try and look like they fit in. But no one's really got a clue what they're doing. And everybody's learning on the fly. And every day's a school day, as, as the saying goes. You know, we're all just kind of learning as we go, right? And so I'd love to hear um, your... Uh, tips for listeners and I know that a lot of our listeners will you know be uh, suffering from this uh, imposter syndrome how can people get over that how can people um, gain more confidence in their work in digital marketing it's it's really common actually Will um, and it's it's worrying the amount of people that will confide in me before they start the job Um, I will normally have that cup of coffee before we, we, that, that person starts. And it's remarkable how many people um, tell me, oh, well, I'm really scared now as to, as to uh, what, the, what the next steps are. Um, the advice I give every time is the same. And I talk them through, firstly, the metrics. You know, they have gone through a, a, a really robust recruitment process to get that job. Could have started with 100 people, funneled all the way down to them. The next thing, though, which is I think is is more important, is for them to understand that they wouldn't have been offered the job if they if the employer didn't believe that they could do the job, and that's that's the that's the point of like where really good emotional intelligence should kick in, and that's the point where 
Um, for example, I have someone starting, it's their first move ever into a big advertising agency. And he did ask me, he said, Morgan, how will I make that shift? And simply, I, I spoke to the hiring manager, explained that the, the candidate was having these little bit doubts, which are natural. As you said, we're all human. And now they've done a couple of Zoom calls. And in his, in his six-week notice period, he's got all these different um, reading materials and all these different expectations have been set. So, so, so it was back to the point is we all suffer from it. You know, we're not we wouldn't be human if we didn't suffer from it. But sharing it is a really good thing. And then actually celebrating the fact that and trusting in the process that you've just been through, that you were selected from potentially 100 people to get this job should help you uh, to, to, to turn off that little voice inside your head. Indeed. I, I think we, we actually had a guest on one of our earlier episodes, Kevin Reed, who's a uh, personal coach, and he referred to self-limiting beliefs. And it's just one of those, isn't it? Um, Paul, what advice would you have to listeners who feel like they might be under the illusion of uh, imposter syndrome? Well, I think we've all been there. Uh, I remember when um, first set up, we do a fair amount of uh, graduate recruitment and uh, first set up the graduate recruitment companies, it was then called before we put it into a spa. And we were invited by Oracle uh, to go and pitch for their business, uh, which was to recruit like a couple of hundred um uh, graduates of a program. I'm going way back. I mean, I'm literally talking in the early 90s. Uh, and uh, so I w- went into the room. I, we had a proposal and presentation. Ready. I'm not even sure PowerPoint existed then. Um, and uh, there was a whole panel of people sitting around this room. Um, and anyway, they started firing questions. One of the first questions they asked is, so so how, how do you, what's your competency framework for, for assessment? And I remember going, I don't understand the words you're using here. <laughs> um, and uh, so, so, so trying to wing it and, and feeling straight away that I was very uncomfortable. I actually just came clean. So look, I think, think what you're asking for is a little bit early in the stage of our development as a business. Uh, and we did, we, I saved them some time by deciding we, we should get out of there. So, but I think for people who, who um, have been chosen for a job, uh, first of all, uh, you, you should you, you should go back to that moment when they offer you the job, uh, and and just re- revisit it. Did you feel elated, uh, or or did you feel nervous? Um, and so, so if you feel elated, then that's that's your core chemistry of your body going bonzo. I've got got what it is that I I was looking for. If it's nervous, then then clearly there is something afoot uh, within your own uh, psychology uh, about taking the job. Uh, they, they, there's a couple of things to look at. First of all, I would, I would want to know what the company, your, your employer's onboarding process is. So, so how are people onboarded into the business? Uh, a, uh, B. I would certainly want to speak to the hiring manager or people involved in the selection process and say, right, can you just talk me through? I'm really delighted to have been joined. This is after joining. <laughs> uh, I'm really uh, pleased, to, pleased, to, pleased to have been chosen. Can you tell me the, the reasons why I was chosen? And can you also uh, talk me through? the areas you feel I still need to develop um, because you may be thinking that you are having to tick all the boxes uh, because you've been appointed to the role when actually they they identify that you ticked a lot of the boxes but there were some areas you still need to develop. That's a really good point actually. It's quite hard to have the, the guts to do that, to ask that when you've just been given a job, isn't it? You know, like what do you, where do you think I need to develop? But it's a really good point. You, you, you won't have ticked every single box probably. We have to remember in the, in the mind of the hiring manager, the day you join, they are over the moon. This is a problem that you have just solved walking through the door. They're delighted. They're just 
onboarding is like a honeymoon, you know. Uh, and so this is the time to do it because people are willing to help and support and all the rest of it. Um, uh, so, so that's one thing. And, and then the, the other thing is, is to see if in, within onboarding, is there a mentorship type uh, program in the business? Uh, can you ask for a mentor to someone? So when you have your darker thoughts, your, your concerns, your, your, your lack of confidence moments, there is someone to actually go and talk to. They don't need to be a coach, just really someone you, you, you can talk to. So, so I think, I think from, from my base, I mean, I, I remember several years ago, uh, there was a candidate who uh, we had up, up for a job and they, they weren't on, on the huge salary where they were. They were on something like 35K. Uh, and the the brief for the role was forty to fifty k. I mean, the company offered them job, offered them the top end fifty k, which was like a fifteen thousand pound pay rise or whatever it was from, from where the person was. And they very nearly turned it down because they thought, "What do they think they're hiring?" And they're really concerned. What do they think they're hiring? And the only difference was to explain to them actually no different market sectors. I don't know your listeners might not know this, but within digital marketing, uh, in fact, there's so many different careers. You can have the same job title with the same responsibilities, pay completely different salaries because one particular market sector is far more profitable, whatever, and just pays more money in, in that area. And so actually, it was just a matter of they were moving slightly to a slightly different sector where they had bigger budgets for salaries and that's what they paid that level of job. Oh, well, they took it and we're very happy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's really good good way to think about, you know, that because but the I mean the fact of the matter is, I don't know about your experience, my experience is that onboarding process is all too often either absent or not particularly sufficient, but that's another a story for another time. Well, it's very tricky when people are working from home. Um and and again, what we on top of the uh, virtual interviewing guide, we also then created Spire created a virtual onboarding guide for companies to say, right, okay, people working from home, these are all the things you're going to have to think of. You know, your what's their workspace like? Have they got a safe working space? There's a responsibility from the employer to make sure there's a safe working space. But it went through all the training, onboarding, who the people are going to meet. You know, and the first time they're meeting people on Zoom. In fact, our own sales director joined in March. Uh, literally, his lockdown happened, and he took over, and he didn't meet anyone until the end of lockdown in July. <laughs> yeah. And we talked about ticking those boxes during the recruitment process. And actually, what I think what I've seen is people being, for some reason, potentially to do with 2020, uh, but being knocked off their perch in the middle of a career or later in a career, and then going out into the job marketplace and finding actually they tick too many boxes and they're, they're overqualified. Do you think being overqualified is is a myth? Is that a real thing, um, Morgan? What do, we, do you think about that? Um, it's a great question, and and unfortunately, uh, there's another way you could phrase it that that um, ageism can unfortunately impact in the recruitment cycle. It, it it's a fact. I, I I I'm I'm sad to report. However, if we go back to the principle of controlling what you can control, so you will have had a great achievement-driven career, but potentially now there's certain skills that, that in roles that you might be looking to apply for that you are not uh, developed enough in. Um, if, if you could embrace learning and, and then being able to showcase, and, and back to an earlier point about 15 minutes a day, in, in terms of committing to learning, 
if you can pick an area that's in demand right now that, that you could stack onto your skills. So, so let's take digital analytics, for example, because we know there's some super storytelling marketeers out there with, you know, 20 plus experience. I personally know of quite a few who pivoted five, even 10 years ago and learned everything they could about the e-commerce funnel. And, and one um, client of mine now, uh, as a side hustle, gives um, education uh, programs around e-commerce around the world. Um, and he didn't have any of those skills 10 or 15 years ago. But what he did do, Will, is he invested in them. Because I know how tough it is when you're looking to do a career change. I did one myself just over five and a half years ago. And you you do get put into certain boxes. You know, I had an 18 year career in advertising. At the time I was trying to get into marketing departments and I wasn't even getting interviews, you know. Um, and, and that's the reality for a lot of people in ad agencies still to this day. But if you can then realize that it's, again, your responsibility to go back, to upskill, to look at the job specs, to look at the areas of skills that are in demand right now and start learning about them. I mean, there is so many great courses, long and short form, that you can do. And then effectively, you're taking back control. So, uh, Paul, tell any listeners who feel like they have the problem of being perceived as overqualified, what can they do on a very kind of tactical level to overcome that in their job search and or their career change? But the practical steps people can take uh, are, are to really get on, on the front foot with it, which is, uh, right, if, let's say it's job ads you're seeing and you're applying for job ads. Um, so, so, so the first thing to do is do what, what anyone to do with the job ad, really identify what is this, who is the company, what are they doing, what are they looking for, uh, circle all the all the all the relevant words that come up in around competences and values and behaviors and that type of stuff try and look into the websites and deep dive into to where does this come up try and work out who are the hiring managers how can i link on link up with them on linkedin how can i start uh supporting my application with other marketing and branding uh that can do examples of the work i've done because actually it's yeah, what have you achieve that if i'm an employer what have you done that i can then take on and enhance and take on further um i think there is also a complete um uh, prejudice and morgan was relating to this uh quite quite rightly which is which is if you're an older person you're sort of not learning anymore you sort of run out of the ability to learn uh well how many of our grannies and grandpas do we know who are all online and suddenly on zoom okay the queen was on zoom this week you know uh she's in the 90s so 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 clearly people can uh, uh learn and, and develop um and 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 I, I think that's 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 the absolutely right so demonstrate that that's what what you, what people are doing uh, i think the deep psychological issue is is younger managers feeling how will i go about managing someone who could be my father's age or, or something and it's this psychological problem they've got but that is their problem that's not your problem it's your problem as, as in is that going to stop me getting the job but don't let it get in the way of applying having a strategy to apply have a plan execute that plan and don't give up keep at it by the way when you've been told you're a no don't accept it do not accept the rejection Go back again, ask for reasons why. Why am I a no? 
okay? Lay out more reasons why you're right for the role, okay? In a non-aggressive, very passive uh, way, send more examples and keep at them. You don't know what's going on in that interview process. You don't know that they've seen a bunch of people that are not quite right. You don't know the person they just offered the job to has turned it down. And hey, you're still there. You're still knocking on the door. Well, that's the attitude I want. That's, that's very true, that. And actually talking about that strategy of um, going after that, that, that job that you, you've decided that you really want, um, our, time has, our time has come up. But one last thing I'd like to ask you both just to end on is um, I'd love you to give me your three tips. Morgan, I'll start with you. What would be your three takeaways for someone making themselves more employable in 2021? We're, we're at the start of a year, 2021. So the first thing you got to do is set goals for yourself. When's the last time at the start of a year that you have set yourself some really good career goals? Okay, but setting the goals and it's been proven, writing them down is a proven strategy to making them happen. But this is where everyone fails. More than 90% of people by the time January swings around to February have forgotten about them because A, they haven't written them down. But the second thing is so important. Find an accountability partner. And it's easy. I have got three of them in my life. I, I look for people, and this is back to the imposter syndrome. I look for people that are three to five years ahead of me in my career that I really admire. And I reach out to them and I get time with them to talk to them. Three such people are now... I'm accountable to them. So every month I send them progress on where my goals are. And that has rocket fueled my own career. So I'll give you, if, if you can set goals, write them down and find an accountability partner to make your goals accountable to, I can guarantee you into 2021, you'll start achieving those amazing goals you set. That's great. Cheers, Morgan. Very, very good advice. Uh, Paul, what, what would be your three um, short bullet tips takeaways for our uh, listeners very simply identify what it is you want to do secondly set a timetable to achieve that so a deadline and thirdly then create a plan of how you're going to do it yeah yeah absolutely simple but so many of us neglect to actually sit down and do that don't we and um well there's a lot of words around those three bullet points but those are the three bullet points yeah i think it can be transformational as you've said well look we've run out of time thanks so much guys thanks for your insights and hearing your perspective on that i think there's so much useful stuff in there for our listeners i appreciate your time and um yeah thanks thanks again it's been great to chat to you i'll see will thanks thank you thank you will if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about transforming your marketing career through certified online training, head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>